Cool, cool. So, is anybody here careless? Like, like me, like you just forget things? Yeah, yeah. I honestly, I used to be a pretty careless person. Um, I forget things now, but I used to be uh, so scattered it was impossible for me to accurately tell you where my phone, keys, and wallet were at any given time. Um, and growing up, it had gotten to the point where I'd get in trouble for leaving these things all over the house. I would just spread out. Um, my family knew it was constant. They knew it was a habit that I had formed. And one Saturday, I had gotten behind in some high school English homework, so I decided to spend my afternoon on the couch in the living room working on it. Homework dates, man. Ugh. I got all set up. I had my textbook, my wide-ruled notebook paper, and had some freshly sharpened number two pencils at the ready to complete the next literature masterpiece of the decade. Yeah, I worked and I worked on this, this paper and finally, a couple hours later, I finished and I felt really accomplished. So naturally, I went to the living room. I went from the living room to my room to eat some snacks, like a celebratory snack. And about an hour after I had forgotten about my homework because I'd left it on the couch, I'm in my room, I heard a yelp of pain from the living room and my stomach dropped. I hurry into the room to find my brother laying on the floor, grimacing in pain. Why? It soon became obvious to me, my brother had a freshly sharpened number two pencil sticking out of the side of his butt. Yeah. After, after I had left it, it had gotten between the couch cushions, as sneaky little pencils like to do, um, and it pierced right through his basketball shorts. He starts yelling at me to get it out, and so I did what any good sister who felt really bad would do. I yanked it out, and then I covered his mouth so he'd stop crying so I wouldn't get in trouble. Um, I didn't want my parents to hear him. I, I start begging him not to tell on me. I'm promising him that I'll do whatever he wants. I'll do whatever chores to get out of getting in trouble, but I could see the pain and the anger all over his face, and he yells back at me, breaks free from my grasp, and he half ran, half limped away to tell my parents about my carelessness and what it had done. And that pencil left an actual mark. Guys, my brother literally has a butt tattoo because of me. Scarred for life, literally. And apparently, I'm not just careless, I'm careless with sharp objects because he also stepped on a needle that I had forgotten about after I did crafts one day with a very similar response, might I add. Was my brother's reaction wrong? Does anyone want to argue that my brother's response to yell at me, be so angry with me, was unnatural? No. It's natural. You feel angry, hurt, betrayed even. You want to get even when someone wrongs you. However, there is an unnatural reaction that we speak of commonly, actually. It's one that we desire for ourselves when we are the one who wrongs someone else, and we teach others to do it. We value it. When someone hurts us with their words or actions, an unnatural reaction we can have is to forgive. And that is our first point tonight. Forgiveness is unnatural. <laughs> it's not the first thing that comes out of us when we've been hurt. Do you agree? <laughs> The urge 
to forgive does not come inherently in us. <laughs> First, we're taught it, right? Your parents had to tell you, instruct you, that you had to forgive that kid that hit you at preschool. You have to work at it, you have to develop it, because forgiveness is a practice, a habit that you have to work on to develop a second nature. But why on earth would you do something so unnatural? I'm glad you asked. Our scripture tonight is Matthew 18, 21 through 35. If I believe Mariah will come read it for me. Where you at? There she is. Yeah, guys, give it up. She's in LTC right now, which is really cool. That's pretty fire. So awesome. Cool, cool. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times, Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is, a king, is like a king who wanted to settle, settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he, has, he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. He, be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back with every, everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and, beg, and begged him. Be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused instead. He fell off and had the men thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have, you have had mercy on your fellow servants? just as I had on you. In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Cool. Thanks, Mariah. That's awesome. Cool, you guys good? Doing good? It's kind of a long one, but I figured your college students and could handle it. Cool. Why would you deny yourself one of the most primal feelings you have when someone hurts you? Yet we have this longing to be forgiven ourselves. Although it's unnatural, forgiveness is needed. So we need to know what it looks like. And this is what we're going to talk about tonight. I'm going to pray, and then we'll get into it. Jesus, your presence is so good, God. Who you are is good, Lord. Thank you that you want to meet us here, Jesus, that you want to illuminate the truth for us, God. Lord, if we want to know what something looks like, we can look at you. 
If we want to know what being gracious looks like, we can look at you. If we want to know what power looks like, we can look at you because you're king. Jesus, will you speak to us tonight? And may we hear you, every word that you have to say. We need you here. Holy Spirit, speak. Amen. Forgiveness doesn't make very much sense if you're not a follower of Jesus. Philosophers believe you have to earn it, but they disagree about what type of person deserves it. And psychologists literally see the personal and relational consequences of a lack of forgiveness, and both of these groups of smart people disagree with each other. But if you do follow Jesus, there are concrete, strong reasons why we forgive. And if you stick with me, we'll define them tonight. Luckily for us, Jesus addressed this concept of forgiveness directly and expressed it to perfection in his life. Jesus literally lived out forgiveness. He taught it to his disciples as evidenced by this parable, this teaching story he shared with them about what forgiveness looks like in the kingdom of God. But he didn't just teach it to them. He did it. Will you picture with me a moment in Jesus' life where he was being hurt? Where people were piercing him with nails through his hands and thorns on his head, and he chose to forgive. And I say he chose because you don't always feel like forgiving someone, so feeling merciful can't just be an essential part of it. It hurt him, and still he chose to forgive. Remember Luke 23, 33 through 34. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him along with the other criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Here's Jesus in a moment of pain, with violence so heavy, so destructive done to him. It makes my story about my brother look so foolish. (laughs) which is what it was. This is serious. He's being murdered. The decision to execute him was a sham of a trial. The charges, the trial itself, all of it completely corrupt, and he's sentenced to death on these charges. And yet, in the very middle of the pain, he prays that God would forgive the people who are doing this to him. And the people who are doing this to him don't even care because they go on to humiliate him, throwing dice for his clothes. Forgiveness in the midst of this is unnatural. What on earth is Jesus doing? Jesus walked the talk. He wanted forgiveness burned into his disciples' brains. His disciples, his closest friends in the years prior to his death, they walked with him, they learned from him, lived life with him, and through following him, were entering and living in God's kingdom and reign. Forgiveness is where heaven and earth meet in relationship. And Jesus taught his followers to pray with this as a central part. You may have heard it. It starts, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and... Yes. Forgive us, you guys said trespasses. Forgive us our debts is another way to say it, as we forgive those who, have been, who are indebted to us. 
Jesus taught his disciples to pray like this every day. And at the heart, the intention was that they were learning that the kingdom of God is a forgiveness movement. (laughs) Every day we must remember, I have been forgiven. (laughs) And every day as a follower of Jesus, that is one of my marching orders is to forgive. And after years of teaching it to his disciples, Jesus actually does it. He prays God would forgive the very people who are hurting him. So what does Jesus mean when he asks these people, when he asks us, when he asked them to forgive? Get ready to nerd out with me for a second. In the Greek, our English word forgive is aphiomi. And its most basic meaning is to release or let go, let it go, like frozen. In English, we would use these words for other things. If I'm holding my phone and I kind of toss it a little, we'd say I released it or I let it go. But when I've wronged you and you choose to overlook that wrong, in English, we use a different word. We use forgive, but not in the language of the Bible. The word for release and let go is the same word used for forgive. Jesus is praying, Father, release these people from what they are doing to me. Let it go. Let what go? If I'm holding onto my phone and I open my hand, I'm letting it go. But if you've wronged me and I affirm me toward you, what am I letting go? What am I releasing? Let's look back on our scripture tonight. The language Jesus used in the story with the king and the servant, I don't know if you noticed, but it's this language of money, of finance. He specifically uses the word debt. And so, for example, let's say I saved my money for a really long time and I buy one of those iPads that Taylor says that he really wants from Caleb and and I decide to show it to him and Taylor gets really upset and he just smacks it out of my hand and it breaks, he's jealous. And then he says, oh, so sorry, I didn't mean to, no problem, and he walks away. Yes, there's a problem. He just smacked my iPad out of my hand. It's broken. What would I say to him? I'd say, you owe me. You owe me a new iPad, man. And we use this relationally, this financial language. We used to talk about broken relationships when we wrong each other. We say this all the time. There's a debt, payback, you owe me. To forgive is to release someone's debt to you and let go of what they owe you. When we wrong each other, when someone smacks an iPad out of your hand on purpose, or when I knowingly leave pencils out to be sat on, there's a debt. It's real. It exists. And someone has to pay. (laughs) Who? There are two options for navigating this person who wronged you could pay. That's justice. They owe you. They've deprived you of something good. They've taken something from you, like comfort and iPad, so they can pay. Or you can pay. You're the one who was wronged. They're indebted to you, but you could pay by absorbing it and not demanding they pay you back. But when it's put like this, forgiveness seems so unattractive because it's costly. It's so unnatural. Why would you do something like that? The reason Jesus would do something like that had to do with the moment on the cross. 
innocent Jesus absorbing the debt, the consequences of all of the stupid, selfish, hurtful behavior of all of humanity. He is paying the debt on behalf of us. And as a follower of Jesus, we look at this moment and we see him as paying our own debt. I see him paying the price for my hurtful words and actions, for my own selfishness. But Jesus is doing more. Jesus is paying the full debt of other people's selfishness, of yours. So he's also paid the debt of the people who have severely and heavily wronged you and I. And so we come to a dilemma. When we are wronged, we want our own debt to be paid, but not the debt of the one who wronged us. It's difficult. It really is. This isn't easy. But when you follow Jesus, you see yourself as a participant of what happened on the cross. So let's look at what we read at the beginning of tonight. Peter asked Jesus how many times should he forgive if seven times was enough, and Jesus says, no, no, Peter, not seven times, 77. Now some versions of the Bible say 77 times, some say 70 times seven, but whether it's 77 times or 497 times, what's the point? It's not about keeping a tally. This is about your entire response toward anyone who wrongs you. This is not about numbers, but a new way of being human. Then Jesus goes on. He says the servant owes the king 10,000 bags of gold. It's an enormous amount of money. This is a couple decades at least of someone's daily wages. This is laughable. This is the kind of money kingdoms owe other kingdoms or nations owe other nations. Jesus is literally being ridiculous on purpose. He's being humorous. This is funny. He's literally saying a kajillion dollars is what this guy owes the king. But the servant says, be patient. I'll pay it back. No, he won't. (laughs) He can't. And here's the point. This is why forgiveness is needed. In the kingdom of heaven, we all owe God an impossible-to-pay debt. We owe him the debt of our disobedience to the law, the fair, moral, just, and perfect law he has for us. But we do have a gracious king. And in the story, the king chooses to have mercy and cancels the debt and lets the servant go. So the servant leaves, released from the weight of what he owes, and he comes across a fellow servant who had a debt to pay to him. This servant owes him the equivalent of about 100 silver coins. And this first servant begins choking him, demanding that he be paid back what he owes him. And this servant begs for mercy using the same plea the first servant demanded to the king. Says, be patient with me. But he refuses. Can this servant, this second servant, pay back what he owes? Sure. It's a payable debt. But the first servant has him thrown into prison until he can pay it all back. Can you do your job in prison? Can you earn this type of money or really any type of money in prison? No. So was it about the money even? The servant acts for revenge alone. Do you think Jesus cares about forgiveness? That the people who follow him would actually try to forgive those who have wronged him? He takes it seriously. 
He invites people into learning a new and different way of being human. If someone says they follow Jesus, they are participating by entering into this kingdom of God. And forgiveness is a part of that kingdom. Jesus described it as being born again. They're becoming a new human being. And one of the key ways that we can live in this kingdom is by making second nature what is totally unnatural to you. When somebody wrongs you, they owe you. It's totally just and natural to want to get, back, to get back at them or get even. But in this kingdom, we release them from their debt. And the whole point of this parable is if we're going to follow Jesus, then we see ourselves first and foremost as someone whose debt of selfishness has been paid. Jesus knows forgiveness is hard. That's why he spent so much time on it. He doesn't say, if you struggle to forgive, if, you, if it's hard for you, he says, if you refuse to and you will not forgive, you are not one of my disciples. Forgiveness is significant because it has been made significant, and we start by knowing where we stand with the Lord. I exist because of God's grace, and that fundamentally reshapes how I see anyone who might wrong me or who might owe me. Now that we've covered our premise that forgiveness is unnatural and that it's needed because we owed an impossible debt that Jesus paid on our behalf, what does this actually look like in context of one another? What does it mean to forgive each other? The most common misunderstanding of this call to forgive is that we let people repeatedly hurt us. Does Jesus mean be a doormat? Let them walk over you again and again and again? That's not what he means. So because these misconceptions ex exist about forgiveness, it's very important that we clarify what Jesus does mean so we can understand what he, he means by forgive. <laughs> so we're going to start by, what, do, what is it not? What is forgiveness not? Forgiveness is not forgetting. <laughs> Have you heard that? Forgive and forget, man. Let it go. That's horrible advice. That's horrible. Can my brother forget what I did to him? You're not expected to forget what has hurt you as a measure of whether you've forgiven someone. There are some verses in the Bible where God says he remembers our sin no more because of Jesus and the sacrifice he made for us on the cross. However, these verses are illustrating a concept. They're painting a picture for us, not necessarily depicting a psychological phenomenon as though God literally forgets things. It's talking about how God chooses to relate to us and how he chooses to see us in light of the redemption and reconciliation that he offers us. You're not just going to forget that your parents get divorced, <laughs> or how that guy abused you, or the hurtful thing that was said or done by someone you trusted. You're just not. Forgiveness is admitting you'll remember the hurt, but choosing to see them in the light of Jesus instead of the light of their sin. So for all of you who feel like your inability to forget means you haven't truly forgiven, I hope that gives you some freedom tonight. Forgiveness doesn't mean forget. Forgiveness also doesn't mean that things immediately go back to the way they were. What do I mean by that? Forgiveness is not reconciliation. Reconciliation requires two people. Someone else has to fight for relationship along with you. But forgiveness takes one. 
It is not contingent on whether or not the offender acknowledges it or even apologizes. As a follower of Jesus, you don't get to decide who is worthy of forgiveness and who is not because Jesus died for all. The Lord offers forgiveness to us before we've changed, before we've had any kind of real friendship or relationship with him. Forgiveness offered by one can lead to a reconciled relationship, a relationship restored. We can hope for that. But a truly restored relationship does require two. It requires the other person owning up to the wrong and moving toward the other person. Forgiveness does not mean reconciliation. Now, some of you have experienced a hurt so deep, a trauma so significant, that forgiveness seems impossible. You've experienced a violence and offense so heavy that a commission or explanation by anyone to forgive it seems like a denial of God's love for them and a denial of his goodness. And I'm here to tell you today, guys, forgiveness is not escaping justice. Justice will be paid. How? Some of you will never see justice on this side of eternity. Men, women, and children are raped, tortured, murdered, trafficked, stolen, abused, and people choose to do this to each other. They have free will, and they choose to use it this way. It is wrong. It's an utter rejection of God in his heart for us. And God knows that. You can forgive, but still call the authorities. You can forgive, but still need to mourn. Some of you will watch the people who have hurt you prosper. You will see how the justice system failed you, and you'll look on as your tormentors walk free. This world's justice is just a shadow of the heart of God. He looks at what someone did to his beloved child, and he desires justice more than you could possibly imagine. And they will face justice, or they will be forgiven for their faith in Jesus. Someone pays the debt. Whether at the judgment seat or at the cross, justice will be met. Jesus is not only a gentle lamb of affection and comfort and understanding. He is those things, and if you haven't experienced that, press into it. But he's not just a lamb. He is the ultimate king, a lion of justice for those starving for it. Forgiveness does not mean denying justice, but rather it is the relief of taking it into your own hands and releasing the debt they owe you into the hands of God. What happens if we cannot release the debt? What if we can't give it to God? Jesus knows what happens if we are unable to practice forgiveness, how hardened our hearts become, how bitter. What happens to the servant at the end of the parable? The king hears about the actions of his servant, has him thrown into prison and tortured. He's in jail, undergoing what? Torture. Jesus depicts someone who can't forgive someone who is trapped, being tortured. He thinks unforgiveness destroys human beings. It traps us in a state of pain that will ruin us. So where does this end for us tonight? Where does Jesus end this all? 
In verse 35, he says, This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Forgiveness is a deep change in your heart for how you regard your offenders and how you think of them. You guys doing good? Okay, a little heavy tonight. Jesus puts the focus on our hearts, on our very perspective. And if you refuse to let Jesus do this, where you can come into the place where you view your offender as human again, renew their humanity, unless you can do that, where you view them as somebody worthy of at least Jesus' love, to see them as someone where you can't release them, if you refuse to do that, Jesus says, you aren't one of my followers. You're not following me because I did that for you. On the cross, he's paying their debt as well, and you and I are called to participate in that. Forgiveness is unnatural, but it is needed. We need forgiveness. I need it. To do it requires allowing the Lord to change our hearts toward people. Uh, can Keith come back up? In the kingdom of God, I am guilty of treason, theft, slander, aligning with the enemy, and even claiming to be the king. The king not only has the power, but the right to demand we settle up with him. He is the king. And sin is the type of debt that is paid back in justice because it is wrong. However, the king is incredibly gracious to absorb the wound, someone has to pay even the most exorbitant debt. And he does it so we don't have to. That's the king we serve. The ones who know that they have forgiveness like this, the ones who know that they've been forgiven like this, do not keep a record of wrong. Will you have mercy on others? Are you living in the forgiveness God has offered or are you living as someone who has a debt to pay? Maybe you need to forgive yourself. Jesus already has. Let go of trying to earn your way back into God's good graces. Let it end tonight. And let reconciliation actually begin. Are you begrudging the little when you have been forgiven the big? What are you angry about? There is not room for exceptions. Who are you not called to forgive? The Lord has made no exception for you. Or do you need to release justice over to the hands of God? If everyone could do me a favor and get out a piece of paper or borrow from someone near you. If you can't get to one, that's okay. But it's important that we do something tangible because before I even started talking about this forgiveness concept, maybe you had someone's name come into your mind? A situation? It's important that we bring this name now to the front of our minds and we need to write their name down. Maybe you have 10 names. Write your accusation against them and admit the blame that they hold. Admit the blame you hold. 
as you look at that debt slip of what someone owes you, when you're ready, come down to these altars and ask God to help you forgive them and to remind you of the great debt the king bore for your salvation. Ask Jesus for courage, power, for boldness, for whatever you need to do in order for you to be able to offer it to them. Thank him for paying your debt and theirs and release them from what they owe you. I'll pray and then you're free to come down with your slip of paper or with just you and meet with God about who or what he's put on your heart. Jesus, oh Lord, thank you that we can look at you and see what forgiveness looks like. That you chose it before we even showed any intention of getting better. It wasn't about us. It wasn't about our motives. God, you offer it to us freely. You pay the debt for us, and it costs you, Lord, but you're willing to take it all. Thank you, Jesus. You pay it all. Lord, I pray against bitterness in this room, Jesus. May it not grasp hold of our hearts, Lord. May it not consume us, Jesus. Lord, we are your people. We are the light, Lord. May we love each other, not fight each other. The world is hard enough. We need you, Jesus. Help us reconcile together. Give us courage. Help us do whatever we need to do in order to be right with you and to be right with each other. Our brothers and sisters, our friends, God. Holy Spirit, speak. We love you, Lord.